1: Block Talk Radio Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Lyrically, I'm uh. Untouchable, Uncrushable Run in a 600 Run it in a 600
2: Untouchable, Uncrushable Run in a 600 Run it in a 600 Welcome, everyone, to another episode here of Punch the Face Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Stubbs. Appreciate you joining me here this evening. Tonight, we're going to talk some music value. We're going to talk, uh, give some updates here in the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, we're also going to talk about a fight card that I'm excited about, Juan Manuel Lopez and Eureka Uric- Camboa fighting down in Miami. Uh, and also, we'll be joined here by guest, WBA Super Bantamweight Champion, Daniel Wilman. Uh, he'll join us here in about 15 minutes. Uh, to talk about his latest title defense and what's next for him. But uh, I can't do this alone. Ladies and gentlemen, the multi-talented, the multi Adam Oblomowicz of Saturday Night Boxing. He is on air with us. Good evening, Adam.
1: How are you, Brandon?
2: I am fantastic, man. Better from last week. Uh, we're, You know, big fight this weekend here in the Cruiserweight division. I'm a good guest here tonight on tonight's show, so I'm all definitely excited about all of that.
1: Very much so. Good show. Looking forward to it.
2: Well, let's kind of jump into something while we wait on our guests to call in. Uh, You know, something I talked about last week and I'm really hyped about is right now one of the the hotbed divisions, and we saw one part of it two weeks ago. We saw the other part of it here this past weekend. Uh, You know, Burchell went out, picked up another win uh, this past weekend to where I say he is the man to beat at 130. Uh, You know, I say Alberto Machado two weeks ago did his thing. Uh, This is really a hotbed division, uh, really going into 2019 to where we should see some unification bouts. You know, for starters, what do you think of Burchell's performance this past weekend?
1: I thought Burchell was really good. You know, he, um, you know, uh, Miguel Roman was uh, uh, older, but at the same time had been on a hot streak and been boxing very well. And uh, especially since he hooked up with Rudy Hernandez. Uh, He fought a very determined fight, and honestly, Burchelt had to be at a very good version of himself uh, to win the fight. And uh, I was really impressed. I, you know, what's fun about him, and and he really is a great TV fighter, is that he looks so vulnerable at times, right? You know, you could hit him. uh, He's really open sometimes with his shots, but then he's so lanky and awkward and he does weird things that will he'll throw these wide you know right hands that miss and then follow up with these ridiculously sharp left hooks to the body you know it's like you you think sometimes he's off balance but he kind of has a style that works for him and um he he has really good reach for the division uh he's a very good offensive fighter uh he did get knocked out earlier in his career but his chin has held up pretty well against the the Francisco Vargas's of the world and, and the Romans. So uh, he's clearly one of the, the best at 130. Uh, we have a bunch of guys who could make that claim right now with Machado and farmer and Gervonta Davis. And I think right now we don't know uh, even, uh, even Ito who won a belt uh, recently, I think. And uh, we, we don't really know who the top guy is. Um, you have a scenario with Roman and I'm sorry, um, you have a scenario now with Machado. Um, I don't know what his network situation is. He may be available. Uh, I know Golden Boy has a piece of him, so maybe he's fighting on the zone. Burchelt is kind of a free agent. Uh, I know he was on ESPN just for this fight. Uh, Gervonta Davis uh, is with PBC. Farmer is on the zone, so maybe Farmer Machado happens. Ultimately, there should be some uh, some uh, closure in one thirty uh, next year, or there should at least be some uh, uh, some sense of who the top guy is at division. But all I know is we got some exciting candidates for that throne, and uh, I'm very interested to see this play out.
2: Uh, absolutely, and I mean it's one of those kind of things where this division kind of snuck up on us here in the last year to two years to where you really realize, like, wow, there's a lot of talent there at the top and really even at the middle of the division as well. I mean, you've got guys who are contenders, who, got, who can fought for championships or former champions themselves uh, who are still legit fighters, who can still put on good shows uh, and can still perform. One thing that I did find that was a little bit, I don't want to say unco- it was uncomfortable. Let me just call it what it is. They kept on last weekend, you know, during the broadcast, ESPN's broadcasting team, they kept on making it sound like, uh, like Ramon was just old, like he was dirt. The dude is 32, for Christ's sakes. Like they were making it sound like he was 45 or, you know, well, he,
1: uh, you he know, I, old, I know it's he's, he's got a lot of fights. Yeah, he's an old 32. He's fought 358 times as a professional or something like that. No, I mean, he, I think he's in 70 some fights. He, he'd been knocked down early in his career, but he, he won some rounds. I mean, he, he, I think he hurt Burchell a couple times. I, I, I think people that are dismissing uh, Roman, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, I thought he looked great in his performance against Salito where he knocked him out. Um, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it was not a washed-up fighter. I think Burchell just beat the fight out of him. It was a very good performance. Yeah, it's just one of
2: those things that kind of irritated me there about the broadcast, but there's always a lot of things at the time that irritate me about uh, the the broadcast. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I got, I got this as an irritation. So, you know, Mark Kriegel, who, you know, if anybody knows anything about me on Twitter, I've, you know, in the past said one or two things about him that may not have been the most positive. Uh, but I try to, to, to try and keep it even keeled. But I got to tell you something, you know, they were talking earlier in the, in the broadcast, how, you know, Burchelt might have a Lomachenko fight. Lomachenko, of course, is at 135 and is looking for much bigger fish. And then Griegel's talking later in the broadcast that Burchelt's not ready for Lomachenko. And I'm like, whoa, we got a hot take. Wow, Burchelt may not be good enough to fight Lomachenko. I mean, it's just crazy because there's so many good fighters in that 130-pound division. Why not mention those guys? You know, why does Burchelt, why do we have to take it to the next level? Like, it's okay if you're a really good TV fighter and a champion. Okay, Burchelt may not be in the running for the number one or number two spot in all of boxing. But you know what? That's quite all right. And I just thought this, like, this, this, this rush to, like, uh, you know, talk about what he can't do and, you know, well, he's flawed, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's a fun fighter. And I I just thought there was was just a weird broadcast because, you know, he's not a top-ranked fighter. I'm sure they were dangling the possibility of a Lomachenko fight, perhaps to sign him or something like that long-term. But, I mean, that's not a fight that anybody had ever considered, anybody ever really thought about. And I I don't understand why that was a point of emphasis. Like, we got a a fun fight potentially against Machado. We we got a fun fight against Farmer, uh, against Davis. He matches up well against any of those guys. And, And for them to say, like, oh, well, he has too many flaws for Lomachenko. Well, newsflash, so does everybody for the most part. And I just thought it was a really weird segue in, in the broadcast, or, or, or trope, I guess, that they kept harping on it. Like, they're not even in the same division. Like, there's been no demand for it. It's just, what, what is this weird Twilight Zone we're watching? The only thing that I can think of, and
2: trust me, the, the, the great minds think alike. is when I heard the same thing, I was like, okay, they're trying to find another in-house fighter for Lomachenko. But then in the very next breath, they kept on saying, you know, Lomachenko said that he only wants the big fights. He only wants the fights that make sense, the fights that matter. i like, a fight with Burchell doesn't make sense and it really doesn't matter because he's going to have a guy coming up and wait to fight him. Like, that doesn't scream makes a lot of sense or makes a lot of money to me. So, I mean, I didn't get that either when this was being talked about.
1: Yeah, but, you know, for the most part, it was a good fight. And I like Top Rank being aggressive. You know, they didn't promote either one of those fighters. They just liked the fight a lot. And, uh, you know, I think they're being entrepreneurial here. They said, listen, we have this platform. We want to show good fights. We want to give our subscribers the ESPN Plus value. And I like that they put this on because, you know, HBO had rejected this fight for whatever reason. I mean, HBO is on their way out, but it's a good TV fight. And, you know, forget all the nonsense about this was a fight of the year candidate and all the crap it wasn't but it was a good fight. It was, it was entertaining. Uh, I thought both guys give a good account of themselves. I like the fact that uh, ESPN plus and and top rank put it on. And I, I, I think that's great, you know, and uh, I like that they weren't have to be tied to like options. You know, it was just, here's the fight, you know, you guys do a good job and maybe there's something in it for you if you win, but if not, you can go your own way and, and thank you for entertaining us. So I kind of like, uh, you know that the that broadcast, and I hope Top Rank does a little more of that. Well, just kind
2: of kind of a segue, maybe a hot take. While we got a couple of moments here before our guest, Daniel Ramon Jones says, uh, you know, you said HBO rejected this. Now, is it weird that HBO would re- reject a fight like this? But uh, it's being rumored and almost confirmed that Celia breakhouse is going to headline the final fight on HBO. Is it strange that they would turn down a fight, you know, like this but, with uh, Bachel and Roman, but would be okay with having Celia break, headline the final fight on HBO?
1: Well, I think I think they had, Tom Loeffler had like a final option on an HBO card. So I think this is essentially uh, Roman Gonzalez is going to be on that card as well against uh, Pedro Guevara. Uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. And Burchelt and Roman aren't really represented by any of the big leagues in the business. So I don't look at it as anything more than, than the fulfillment of a contract. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, that makes sense. Makes sense. And obviously closer to that time, we'll, we'll talk more about this final HBO card. that will be coming down the pipeline here next month. I mean, Tom's really getting on to us. I mean, I didn't really realize that, you know, here we are first week of November. We're almost here to the end of the year. Um, weird and we still got a lot of good fights still left before the year is out which is crazy to think about i mean in years past we never really had this in boxing to where going into the fourth quarter you still had a lot of good fights and matchups and bouts and cards that are going to be televised in november and december so you know thank you to the networks for blessing us with something to watch instead of having to watch a bunch of college football and crappy christmas movies
1: and this goes all the way to the end of December. I think you, on, on the 22nd, you have competing cards in the UK with uh, Dillion White and Derek Chisora too. And then you also have Carl Frampton against Josh Warrington, and that's on December 22nd. And then you have, uh, you know, Lomachenko's fighting uh, on the 8th. And then you have Wilder and Fury on the 1st. And I think the Charlos are also on the 22nd. Uh, there might be mm-hmm. a card on the 15th that I'm forgetting – Oh, Canelo's on the 15th against Rocky Fielding. Yeah. So you have you have really – it used to be the first couple of weeks of December um, were always good. And then the last couple of weeks and going to January, you had like a sixth, seventh week uh, hiatus until boxing came back. But this year, uh, I mean, it looks like it's only going to be two or three weeks. And uh, I'm certainly yeah. fine with that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, cold December night, uh, yeah, I'll watch some boxing. Thank you, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it beats going out and having to deal with the inclement weather. As you know, being on the East Coast and being here in the Midwest, I don't know why I want to deal with that, mass? We we won't know parts of it. I mean, and we still got fights here this month, you know. So I talked about last week, we have a fight here in Kansas, which is very weird that it's there. But, you know, it's, uh, Eddie Hearn uh, putting on the fight, fight card there in the zone. We have uh, Big Baby Miller uh, fighting, and uh, Brandon Rios facing one of uh, Canelo's brothers. versus the Shield's on that card. So, I mean, fun times all the way around for, uh, for a lot of fights and uh, fight, fighters and staying busy and staying active here before the year is out. we do appreciate that for them
1: doing that. So, when, just educate me a little bit. Right? I, I know, like, both Brandon Rios and Ortiz were from Kansas. I get that. But when was, like, mm-hmm. the last high-profile fight card to be fought in Kansas?
2: I, honestly, I, I I can't remember. I do know Friday night fights did do a couple of fight cards from casinos uh, up in North Kansas City, sure. not too far from the airport. I know they used to have a, they had a, f- a couple of fight cards there on Friday night fights. Beyond that, there hasn't been anything remotely close to a important fight of any significance here in the state. Um, you know, and, and it's funny with, that they're having the fight card there that Brandon Rios is going to be there. I think that's his first time fighting in Kansas in maybe his first couple of fights as a pro, uh, and then you know everything else being in Vegas, you know, fight on top rank undercards. So I mean, this is it's it's big for him. I mean, it's it's kind of in the middle of the state where he's more apart from the western part of Kansas. Uh, where the fight's going to be in Mulvane, Kansas. For folks who don't know, uh, it's in it's a little bit south of Wichita, Kansas, and that's um, at an Indian Casino. They have a lot of fights there for mixed martial arts with Bellator. Uh, if anybody's familiar with Bellator MMA, they have a lot of fight cards there. It sells out quite well. Uh, it's a beautiful venue they have there. Um, but just really strange that that's a place that Eddie Hearn picked to have a fight right. card. I, you know, Good for him. I'm, maybe the people, because I know DAZN is also working with Bellator, maybe some of the people there told him, hey, if you're looking for a cheap venue that you can get some bodies in, uh, field crowds that they'll, you know, they'll love it and they'll watch the action, go here. So, I mean, it's good for Eddie. Eddie's kind of thinking outside of the box, so I can't knock him for that.
1: Yeah, I but mean, Adam, if you look.
2: Like, would... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, was, looks like our guest is calling in right now. Uh, so, sure. right now, we are joined here by uh, the WBA Super Bantamweight Champion. Uh, he's fresh up from victory here last month on zone matter of fact. So we welcome to the uh, show here the Babyface Assassin Daniel Ramon. You're live here on Punch the Face Radio.
1: Thank you, thank you, Brandon. Danny, uh, thanks for joining us. Is Adam Abramowitz? I wanted to uh, congratulate you on a on a really big 2018. Um, I wanted to to walk you back. Um, you know, the one of the first fights that I saw you in in terms of a, a higher profile fight was your fight against Adam Lopez, uh, which was in early 2017. Um, walk us through the last eighteen months. Uh, your, your fight against Adam Lopez was in Atlantic City. The, the first time you'd, you'd fought out of California as a pro. Then you go to Japan. Then you're now a champion. Now you're defending it. Now you're making some good money. Just tell us about the whirlwind of the last eighteen months. What's that been like for you and and your family and and uh, and just t- tell us about that transition. Must be crazy.
0: Oh, it, it it's been good. It's been going. Uh, it's been going fast. <laughs> I started with, uh, well, I, mean, I was uh, fighting here at the, with my promoter, Thompson Boxing, here in uh, Ontario, California. And uh, I did most of my fights right there, and, and it was my first time going out with, uh, out of the state with Adam Lopez. And uh, we, we got ready for uh, Adam Lopez, and uh, we ended up uh, knocking him out and stopping him by the 9 or 10, I think. And then uh, I went uh, for the world title against uh, Sean Kubo over in Japan. And uh, we knocked them out. We knocked them out uh, by the ninth, I think. And then we we went back to do our first defense in Japan, and then Moises Flores uh, in Texas in June, and now this last fight uh, against Gavin McDonald
1: in October. And, and let me ask you: We'll get to the McDonald fight in a minute. But one of the places that you fought is one of the most famous boxing venues in the world, and I'm not sure if. Some of our listeners know about it i'm talking about uh Corquin hall in tokyo and uh that's that place that venue actually has more boxing fights per year than any other venue in the world um tell me a little bit about that experience and fighting in that arena and in front of uh, the japanese crowd and what that experience was like oh
0: <laughs> it's a way different crowd from here in the states uh, everybody uh, is mostly quiet, and watching the fight. They love boxing over there in Japan. They love boxing, man. Uh, they they know their boxing too, and so good people. It was a great crowd. Uh, a lot of people showed their respect, showed love, and like it, it felt good, you know, because you're the outsider, and but like you know, they they still respect you.
2: With you saying that, you know, with you dealing with that, that, that being so quiet there for fighting in front of the, the Japanese crowd, you know, did that throw you off any, not hearing, you know, the background noise you're used to hearing and guys screaming and yelling because we know guys can scream and yell some very crazy things uh, from the crowd when you're in the ring. Did that throw you off hearing just being so quiet there in that arena as you were trying to fight for that championship? And
0: No, 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 no. It didn't throw me off. Uh... You know, I was concentrated, I was, uh, my, I was right there in the fight, you know, but, like, I was surprised, you know, because usually you hear, you hear a uh, distance uh, voices, you know, like, either they cuss you out, or they, you know, call Danny, or, <laughs> or something like that, but, like, no, you know, uh, you, like, probably hear your trainer hearing his voice, because it was so
1: quiet, but, uh, it was a good experience. I wanted to ask you about earlier in your career, and you had a, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of an up and down start. When your first four fights, you had a draw and a loss. Um, you were promoted at the time by Thompson Boxing, and then you actually uh, you were dropped by them. You 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 lost your promotional deal with them, and then somehow were able to convince them to sign you back. And eventually, you became champion, still fighting under their their banner. Uh, what was that experience? Uh, tell us um, what led to that them wanting welcoming you back and from a personal perspective, you know, how tough was it when you were dropped and, and what made you want to keep, you know, going and, 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 and keep, keep fighting. It
0: was really hard when they dropped me. like, like you said, uh, I did, like I was trying to find, um, well, my manager was trying to find me fights somewhere else, but it, it gets complicated. Once you don't have a promoter, it's hard for you to get some, uh, fights, but like, you know, what, uh, from that loss, I learned, you know, I can't fight always like this. I can't always brawl. I got to do something. I got to get better. So that was my that was my mentality. Instead of uh, letting myself down, I worked to get better. And every fight, I tried to improve and improve. And And they came out good. And, and then uh, they saw me back again. And they saw that I improved on my defense, uh, my fighting style. And they signed me back up. And we're here now. <laughs>
2: Now, with you saying you're here now, you know, you are coming off that victory here this past, last month here in October against Gavin uh, McDowell. Now, what would you grade yourself in regards to that victory? The a TKO stoppage here in the 10th. Uh, you know, you've had some weeks now to reflect on that fight. Uh, what would you grade yourself, your performance there, in that title defense?
0: Oh, uh, I – well – like myself, I always uh, judge myself even harder, you know. I'm like biggest critic on myself. I think I I got a lot to improve, you know. Like certain mistakes that uh, we practice in, in the gym, I still comm- made in the fight. So uh, there's always there's always uh, space to improve, you know. There's always something to improve. So I would say like an eight
1: out of ten. Um, one of the uh, uh the people that have been instrumental in your career that perhaps a lot of our listeners don't know about is your trainer, uh, um, uh, Eddie Gonzalez. And um, tell us a little bit about him. You know, he's not somebody that has been necessarily known on the world stage. Uh, how did you hook up with him? You know, what has your relationship been like? Uh, tell us a little bit about Eddie Gonzalez.
0: Eddie Gonzalez, he's my uh, trainer slash manager. Uh, I've been knowing Eddie since uh, I was 10, so m- most of my life I've been knowing Eddie. Uh, we used to work in the amateurs. Uh, I don't know from for some reason uh, we went apart. I think the gym closed, so everybody went their separate ways. So I uh, I wanted to become pro, so uh, I got back with him on contact, and you know I told him, Hey Eddie, you know what uh, I I want to be, I want to go try the pro. So he said, "All right, but he's a uh, he's a really good trainer. He dedicates himself uh, to the fighters. He pays attention to them. Um, he teaches you everything that he knows. So the strategies we go over everything: our fighting style, their fighting style, their weakness.
1: And he's an excellent trainer, you know. He's a hundred percent good. And and just following up on that. Uh, so I know a lot of people are familiar with the Wild Card Boxing Gym." One of the other big gyms out in Southern California is the Mayweather, I'm sorry, the Maywood Boxing Club, and that's where you uh, train. Uh, and the Maywood Boxing Club's had, you know, developed a really good reputation. Um, you know, who are some of the fighters that are out there? Who are some of the guys that you see in the gym? Uh, tell us a little about some of the, 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 the scene and the, and the feeling about being in that gym, and that's, that's really become one of the, the boxing hotbeds of Southern California.
0: Yeah, maybe boxing. Uh if if you go there as far you better be ready to to fight man 'cause they everybody's hungry there. Everybody's just trying to prove themselves. And it's a great gym. It's a great great people. No, uh, we had uh, Charles Huerta, we got uh, the Molina brothers and twins. We had uh an, oh, damn it, I forgot their name. We got Isaac Sarate, uh my teammate. He he's fighting soon, he's fighting um, the twenty-four of this month. And um, some other guys, I just forgot their names. But, yeah, it's a great gym, competitive, and a uh, great reputation too.
2: Now, Daniel, you know, you're a young guy still yourself, but, you know, you've been in this business here for some time. You've had your ups and downs, as we you know stated earlier. But what advice do you give or if, if asked from younger fighters there in the gym that you're working with? you know, what advice would you want to share to them that they would need that you've learned, you know, from the the good and the bad dealing here in the sport that they should know as they pursue their professional career?
0: Yes, uh, well, the first thing, you know, I lost uh, early in my career, and uh, I want to tell them that it's not the end of the world, you know. A loss doesn't make you a bad fighter or not. You know, you probably had a tough fight or split decision, but, like it's not the end of the world. You get get back up, train harder, prove yourself. It's not easy. Not an easy thing if you want to become a champion. But what's not easy these days? Nothing, nothing that is uh, that you love. It's something that you gotta sacrifice for. Uh, give it all. Maintain yourself with discipline. Be uh, train hard. Uh, stay focused. Uh, listen to your trainer, and. Uh, Give it all you got, but you probably end up doing more, better than I do, and uh, keep it up and don't give up. And I believe this this was uh, this is my dream, you know. And I never gave up, until I achieved it. And now I'm I'm, never, I'm I'm a champion now, and I'm gonna go for the rest of the championship. So that's my next goal. So you gotta set your goal. You gotta live day by day. You can't think too much ahead. You know, you gotta stay day by day. And don't give up. Soon uh you'll be you'll be a champion too. We've gotta stay focused and motivated.
1: And one of the uh the, the hundred and twenty two pound division is starting to uh uh really materialize in terms of the cream rising to the top and, and to my eyes there's there's three top fighters um in that division and you're one of them. And there's Ray Vargas and there's Isaac Doug And uh all three, you know, guys have different strengths and weaknesses, different styles. Uh, In the ring, I know that both you and Ray Vargas now are attached to DAZN. Uh, Has there been any uh, discussions about a unification bout? Uh, Is there anything uh, you could tell us about uh, what's next for you in terms of when you're getting back in the ring and who that might be against?
0: Mm Well, getting back in the ring, I think it'll, it'll be next year, maybe around February or March, hopefully. And uh, like I, like I told my team, you know, I, I want to unify. You know, I want to fight the best in my division, and the best in my division are the champions now. Uh, Isaac, Dougway, uh, Ray Vargas, and, and the other IBS champions. So, anybody they put me up, you know, I'm I'm willing to take the challenge and I challenge them too. You know, let let's make a let's make the division hot. You know,
2: there's there's good fighters here, so <laughs> let's give yeah. a good fight to the people. So, Daniel, you do you think too many of the champions now are scared to fight other champions? And I mean, just not in not just saying your division, but in boxing in general. Uh, do you think it's too much of guys, you know, where they fight a a lesser opponent and and duck a, a unification or a tough fight uh, just to get a, a paycheck compared to maybe in years past when I was younger and watching boxing? Do you think it's too much of passive aggressiveness when it comes to these champions? And going after other champions and unifying these belts.
0: Mm. I, mean, uh, mm, I can't really talk. <laughs> I can't really talk for the rest of the fighters, you know. Because if it was me, you know, I mean, I'm not here to waste time, you know. I'm here to do my job, and my job is to fight. And but I want to, like, you know. You always got that feeling as a fighter, you know, you want to be the best. So in order for you to be the best, you got to fight the best. So maybe back then, or maybe now, either some people duck them or probably they do it for business. You know,
1: I'm not sure. (laughs) But it was me, man, give me all the champions. (laughs) I I want to ask you one question about the McDonald fight. Um, and I noticed something watching that fight and some of your others. And, you know, you're not necessarily known as being a, a knockout artist, but I, I love the way you're digging to the body. And it seems to me you're one of those fighters that hit harder to the body than to the head. Is that true? Is that is that something I imagine? Because you're really digging that left hook to the body or the straight right hand to the body, uh, uppercuts to mm-hmm. the body. Do you – tell me about your 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 – uh, relishing going to the body, and, and do you feel that's where your best shots are? I mean, uh, yeah.
0: Well, this last fights I've been fighting a, a taller opponents, so maybe it's because of that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, uh, it depends on the fighter. If if I see an opening and that punch is gonna land all night, then I'll be using that punch a lot. But but yeah, like I feel comfortable hitting the body, you know. And that could be one of my uh, my main things, you know, break the guy down and whatever, we'll take him out after that.
1: And you keep saying, you know, you're your toughest critic and you give yourself an 8 out of 10 after your last fight. So what are some of the things you're continuing to work on in the gym from your perspective? I mean, uh,
0: I'll say draw uh, a little bit more combinations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, move a little bit more. My not get hit by that jab because uh, I got hit on my against uh um, like, a couple of jabs. So you know, little mistakes like that. I I feel like I I could improve. Well, I
2: think you're doing a good job, man. I mean, I know you want to be your too. toughest critic. I, yeah, and you, that's a contender. <laughs> <I mean>, yes. <laughs> I mean, and we respect that. I mean, you're, you're being humble in victory, so we, we definitely appreciate that because we, we've had some guests on who are gloat a little bit too much, but, you know, you're extremely humble, and I mean, I think that's what, you know, fans like myself and, and people in media like myself and Adam, we appreciate fighters like you who you're humble but you're hungry. You've said it yourself, if it was up to you you'd fight all the champions. You want, as the kids say nowadays, you want all the smoke. So you want to fight everybody they put in front of you. So we, we, we appreciate that. Now, now one thing that that is kind of, um you know, when I was doing my research and reaching out to the people there at Thompson, you're not real big on social media like some of the other fighters. So, you know, this is your opportunity. Let the fans know where they, if you know, if you have any social media of any sorts, where they can keep tabs of you because more people need to get familiar with you because you're one of the stars of boxing. Uh, you're definitely in the rise. We want people to know more about you and make sure that they are always tuned in to when your next fight is here on zone.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not too big on social media, but <laughs> I try, you know. I try to be a little bit, keep the people updated. But, yeah, you can find me. I'll, I'll be for sure on Instagram. Uh, find me on underscore assassin underscore. I'll be there for sure. Send me a message. I'll, I'll send it back again, a
1: reply. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate we uh I know Brandon and I wish you the best of luck and uh you're definitely welcome to come on at any time and uh you know keep up the good work.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. you guys have a you guys have a good night and uh, thanks a lot for the
2: interview.
1: Oh, thanks for being no on. No
2: problem, man. You take it easy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Adam, I mean, a humble champion, man. We we love yeah. that. We love these kids. Down to, for, down to earth guy. And, and humble.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's so funny because you talk to so many people that have, you know, become world champions and you see that their whole life has changed. And, uh, uh, I mean, you've talked about a rags to riches in 18 months and he sounds like, you know, he's ready to get back to the gym and get back to the drunk board. He doesn't seem to be overawed by this experience. Uh, you know, that he hasn't reached the pinnacle in his eyes. So I think that's great to see. I, I, I mean, we've seen so many fighters get to that level where they have the title belt and they start resting on their laurels. They're out, you know, partying and they're out doing everything except what brought them there, you know, to the top. And exactly. I think it's very it's very refreshing to hear that from him. And it seems to me, uh, you know, he, he's looking for bigger and, and better things and, uh, you know, empower to him for that. I, I think that's a great attitude.
2: Yeah, and I think now with the, the partnership with the Zone and Golden Boy, uh, there's going to be some fights there for him that are going to be fun and exciting. Yeah. One name I do yeah. want to throw out there, and I know I, I'm probably going to you're probably going to kick me for this, Adam. Uh, Diego De La Hoya. Don't be surprised if that's a fight down the line for him.
1: Yeah, um, uh, that's a good fight. Uh, Diego De La Hoya yeah. is, is definitely emerging, and uh, he's he's on the cusp of of a title shot. Uh, I don't know if he'll get that opportunity or, you know, if, if Ray Vargas gets Diego De La Hoya, uh, but that's definitely a name we could see. And that's a, that's a good fight and I'll probably sell a few tickets, uh, you know, in in the Southern California area. Uh, I, I also just love like going back to those top three fighters, you know, you got, you got Mm -hmm. dog Bay. who's kind of like that, that, that knockout artist, you have Ray Vargas, who's that tall, lanky kind of hundred punches around guy, and you so have, yeah, and then you have Roman, who just goes to work on the inside and and is just that tough guy that keeps coming like so many great like there's not a bad style matchup in the bunch you know it's It's not like uh you know the days of uh Rigan and some people love him and blah blah blah, whatever, but it's like you know if Rigan fighting his fight he may stink it out. I mean, he may get a knockout, but he also might stink Mm -hmm. it out. None of these guys, they're all good TV fighters. Uh, They're all people that come forward that are offensively minded uh, that actually just make for good TV. Now I can't sit here and say that any of these guys are right now, you know, in the top, you know, pound for pound guys in the sport, but you know what? They all have time on their side I think they're all 27 or 28 and younger. Um, and so they all should have a couple of years where they continue to consolidate their gains and make improvements. I mean, Dog Bay is so much fun to watch. And, and Vargas, you watch him fight, and you're like, man, that's a tough out. And all of these guys, it's, these, that's a good trio right there. And, uh, you know, uh, it's exciting. And, and uh, I'm glad that this division, and also you, we were just talking about 130, you know, sometimes you, you wait around, and we're, I'm going to segue, too, because we're going to go another division. And, and these divisions, all of a sudden, these divisions that were wastelands, I mean, you know, come to life, and there's some real talent. Mm-hmm. And and let me segue to that, because when Terrence Crawford left 140 pounds, we said to ourselves, well, there's nobody left in this division. There's nobody left for him to fight. So we completely see him going up to welterweight. And then suddenly – you look at this World Boxing Super Series and you have Josh Taylor kicking ass and you have Regis Progress kicking ass and then you have some really fun guys that are going to be in the semifinals like Baranchek is a hell of a fighter. He's a yes. tough guy who hits hard. Uh, uh, Kiro Relic is, is a, an awkward style but a good fighter. I mean, so this this division has completely regenerated whereas two years ago we're saying this a for Terrence Crawford to fight. And all of a sudden, now we said, we got a bunch of good fighters. So uh, Josh Taylor was really impressive. And let's, let's face it, let's not, let's not pretend. He, he dominated every second of that fight against Ryan Martin. Ryan Martin was not yeah. ready for the fight. Uh, I thought no. Taylor was going to knock Martin out, and he did. And it, it was great for Taylor fighting for his home crowd. You have to say it's a disappointing showing for Martin, don't you?
2: Yeah, and I mean, I caught a lot of flack, and you you know this for saying I called for the upset of the week weekend being Mariah Martin. I thought, you know, like yo, he's he's big, he's going to be athletic enough. You know, he's gonna he's gonna shock the world. This is gonna be his opportunity to show that, uh, you know, he was the the black, you know, the the dark horse here of the tournament, and he just didn't pull the trigger at all in the fight, and it was just so disheartening to watch. It's like this is your opportunity. You don't know what other opportunities you're gonna have in your career going forward. Yeah. And you just didn't pull the trigger uh, Saturday. And it just it was tough to watch uh, because, you know, he, he has the skill to do more in there than what he did. He was just too hesitant to do it. And I don't know his reasoning behind it. Uh, obviously, you got to look at the opponent in front of him, which is going to have some a bit of deterrent there. Sure, he's got to throw punches to do something. Uh, if you don't throw punches, you're not going to – you have no chance. I mean, you're just literally standing there being a punching bag. And that was tough to watch. Uh, it's yeah i mean really it's high on this guy it's tough to watch
1: he he froze you know and and to be honest you know you had the great upset a week ago when you picked rob brant to beat Murata, and those two were parallels right because brant went up mm-hmm. to 168 to fight uh in the world boxing super series and basically had the same performance that martin just did he didn't get knocked out but yeah. he, he just he, he laid a complete day against uh Aaron bramer and then he moves back down to 160 and winds up, you know, getting a secondary belt, but but showing you what he could do. I'm not saying Martin's necessarily going to do the same thing, but he was clearly out of his depth there. Uh, it's, 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 un- we, I think the Brant fight with Murata shows we should not write Ryan Martin off uh, because True. he was out of his natural division. Uh, but it was, it was a, it was a distressing performance. And one of the things that I noticed is, I think Martin is one of these guys like a lot of American fighters who had it a little too easy on their way up. And, you know, they had great reflexes and skills, and they're athletes, but they never had to, like, think through a fight. They never had strategy. They just reacted to things in the ring, right? They let their hand speed carry the day. You watch Ryan Martin in that fight, and you're saying to yourself, this guy has no plan to achieve what he wants to do. He was occasionally throwing out jabs. But as you see that with a lot of fighters, you know, I think because they were such dazzling amateurs or, you know, they were just dominating their early fights. They never really had to think through a fight before. And, you know, Ryan Martin was clearly uh, deficient in this area on Saturday and he's not the only one. I, I think this is a problem. I see it a lot with American fighters. Uh, they're athletes first, sometimes boxers second. And I, I think that's a problem.
2: I agree, and I think also it didn't help him as well that uh, he was never in a really tough fight, you know, before this because, you know, this is this is kind of a, it's a different it's levels to boxing, as we like to say, you know, all of his opponents to this juncture prior to Josh Taylor were nowhere near on Josh Taylor's level. So when you go from you know the the kiddie pool to you know the deep end, you know, and a you know that quickly. You definitely kind of see. All right, well, this is a def- this is another level. Now, one thing I will say, because I'm honestly surprised this didn't happen. Um, I'm surprised we didn't see more Abel Sanchez, uh, <laughs> Abel Abel uh, sl- uh, slander, <laughs> Abel slander here on Saturday after the fight. Really surprised I didn't see more of it.
1: Well, I gotta tell you, between that and the Gassia fight, uh I don't think. Abel Sanchez is one of these trainers who's a great corner man. Uh, I think he's a he's a very good offensive trainer, but being a great corner man is different. You know, giving advice, making changes round by round. You know, changing the game plan on the fly. I I, I he's just one of these guys that you know he was telling uh, you know Martin you got to let your hands go. It was all motivational. I get all that and and I think so. But you know you had a problem with with both. Yassiev and, and Martin, where part of it was motivational, but I think part of it was also tactical. They just didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, and so they just went into their shell because they just didn't, they just didn't know what to do. They had no plan. And I, I didn't see Abel Sanchez telling Ryan Martin anything. Okay, now I want you to use this left jab here. I want you to circle him. I want you to go by, whatever that is. Uh, it was just like, Hey man, you got to do this. You know, you're in the fight, you know, you got to throw punches. Like I get all that. And that's important to a degree, but I, I don't think of Abel Sanchez as one of these brilliant corner man. And you know, not everybody is, there's, there's only very few who are uh, fantastic in that regard. But uh, I think Sanchez this year has shown you his limitations. Uh, I think he can be a great trainer. Obviously his work with Golovkin, uh, has been spectacular he had he did some good work with Gassiev pr- uh, previously so I'm not going to say he's a terrible trainer but uh, I, I just don't think he's one of these guys who makes tremendous adjustments you know even in that, that Golovkin Canelo rematch he's basically saying in the corner "Art, right, you got to knock him out you got to knock him out even though Canelo's not going anywhere you know there was, there was uh, a lack of uh, uh, I thought a good plan there yeah,
2: I, I I agree. I agree, and I mean it will be interesting to see you know what happens, like you said, with Martin going forward, uh, and with Gennady Golovkin going forward as well, as far as uh, Abel goes and his training and his strategy, and fight if these guys are ever in deep again. Now, uh, you we know, have I, now these. Well, let me,
1: uh, let, well, me uh, let me let st- me let me stick with the Taylor fight for one second because mm-hmm. it's clear, like jo- Josh Taylor was a high seed in this tournament. Uh, he was an amateur star. Uh, he has so many tools. I wouldn't say he has blazing hand speed, but he is very accurate, tremendous punch arsenal, goes up and down well, you know, can fight, can box. But one of the things that I want to, rec- when I want to point out compared to the Ryan Martins in the world, if you look at who Taylor fought prior to this tournament, you have names like O'Hara Davies, Miguel Vasquez, Victor Posto. The postal fight was very good, by the way. These are real credible challenges at that point in time. And uh, I think his team is very aggressive in challenging him and also helps prepare him, uh, you know, for for a higher, you know, and, and, you know, obviously everybody's afraid to lose their O at least that's an American problem. Uh, And it's good to see that uh, the the McGuigan's and uh, uh, the McGuigan's, sorry, let me not uh, butcher that the McGuigan's uh, cyclone promotions, uh, you know they've pushed Taylor and I know Taylor's not young he's already twenty seven I believe um, but you could see that he had so much more polish than martin even though martin may have been a quote unquote better athlete
2: it, it, it's 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 definitely interesting to see you know how some of these guys are brought up compared to some of these other fighters uh, they're bringing up Taylor the right way and i mean Taylor being in this tournament is uh, you know, a cue to show that that promoter and his team around him thinks he has the skills to win the tournament. So with that being stated, Adam, we are now at the semifinals. You know, we have Josh Taylor versus Ivan Breichek. Um That'll be at some juncture first quarter of next year. Also the same way on the other half of the bracket in Regis Progray and Corell Willick. Uh, right now with those four guys uh, being a part of the tournament, who are you looking upon as being the favorite to win uh, when we crown a champion here next spring?
1: Well, that's great. You know, I I think there's probably very little to split Taylor and progress right now. But let me also back up and say, I favor both those guys to win their next fights. But upsets in either fight would not surprise me. So, uh, Baranchek has the type of punching power that I think could knock out any person at 140 pounds if he lands the right punch. Uh, And Relic is one of those awkward in-and-out styles think of like a uh, Mauricio Herrera you know who fight he's a rhythm fighter he goes in and out and you know and, and he beat Rancis Bartholomew who's a far better athlete and much many more skills and Relic just made it look really easy and so uh, I, I guarantee you that Regis Progress has never fought anybody in that style before so I like both of those guys to win but I'm not feeling 100% confident about that. Um, if if we get Taylor and Prograce, I will stick with my pick at the beginning of the tournament and stick with Josh Taylor uh, just because I think he's a little more versatile, and I think his experience, uh, I thought Prograce was fantastic in his last fight against Terry Flanagan. I think right now um, Taylor could do a little bit more, but Prograce has a much I think he a bigger punch, you know, uh, you know, in a punch for punch basis. So I wouldn't count him out, but I, I'm not, I don't think I was telling everybody over the weekend, I'm like, it's not a foregone conclusion that these two guys make it to the finals.
2: Agreed. I mean, they're both going to have to go through hell to get to the finals. Uh, so I almost want to say, you know, I'm going to favor whoever suffers the less damage truth be told, yeah. because that the, the, the Taylor fight, you know, that's the one I'm going to lean more towards if there being an upset just because of the punching power, like you said, of Ivan. I,
1: I think yeah, that, that may that's be the gonna edge be, there. that's going to be a war. That is just going to so be a war.
2: So that one's the one that I'm kind of like, uh, I'm a little bit more uh, hesitant on. You know, my pick to win the tournament was Regis Prograde going in. I will stand by that. But, again, I think whoever wins this, whoever wins, um, whoever suffers the less amount of damage here in the semifinal fight, I think is going to have the edge. Uh, going in, but I think they're both in for tough fights, and I think we're going to get entertaining fights here on the semifinal yeah. there in the super lightweight division. Now, also, Adam, we now have the bantamweight division. We now have the semifinals set for it. Uh, maybe not in the circumstances we thought, and maybe some right. names we thought, but um, I think we still know who's going to win this tournament at the end of the day. Um, you know, right now we have Nonito Donaire versus Zalon uh, uh That's because Ryan Barnett ended up hurting his back. Uh, in the fight against Donaire, so Donaire it ends up advancing due to technical TKO, uh, and then uh, in a way versus Emmanuel Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez won his fight here a couple of weeks ago down in uh, down in Florida. Um, some say he shouldn't have won. That's neither here nor there. I, I think don't think, I it think he
1: matters.
2: won. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. That in a way, it's going to win this tournament. I think Tati may give him a tough fight in the finals because I don't see Donaire getting past Tati. But, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, Donaire has already made it further than I thought he would at this juncture. Um, you know, where do you see this tournament, or do you see anything stopping it away from, from claiming that trophy uh, here next spring?
1: Yes, I do. Um, I think that Rodriguez is the second best fighter in the tournament. And it's just a shame that they have to fight, uh, Rodriguez and Inouye uh, have to fight each other. Um, uh, and, in the in, in, in the semifinals, Rodriguez is the toughest style matchup. He has, he's tall. He has a big punch arsenal. Uh, he, uh, is he, a really impressive fighter. Uh, Anui I think is perhaps more explosive and has that one punch detonator, but, uh, I mean, I think Anui wins this, but I think it's a tough fight. Um, and I'm, that's a no, I'm in no way, um, uh, downplaying how good a new he is it's just I, I i think a lot of rodriguez uh i think he's very good and um i gotta tell you one other thing and i don't know if i'm gonna pick the upset but i think Donaire can beat tete i really i really do um tete is is, is uh he he's kind of sits back sometimes and waits for the knockout uh you can box with him a little bit uh he doesn't throw punch a lot of punches i think that that Pace of the fight will help Donaire. Um, Tete years ago, I think got knocked out. Um, uh, you know, I, I didn't think Donaire was going to win on on Saturday, and uh, I, I didn't like his move down to one eighteen. But I got to tell you, like I don't think he looked terrible. Do you? I mean, I, I didn't have him winning the fight by any stretch, but I think he was very competitive. And Burnett's a good fighter. Yeah, he was game. Uh, yeah, he was definitely game in the fight. Yeah. So I I'm not, I i do not know if I'm gonna pick the upset yet. I have this uh, attachment to Donaire. You know he's like one, he's one of the guys I I really really liked in his prime. So I really root for him. I want him to do well. Uh, I, I think the Tete style though is, uh, is something he can he can compete against. So uh, I like to somehow get by Rodriguez in a very tough fight. I'm not sure who I'm gonna pick on that second half of the bracket, and I'm not sure it really matters because i think I think Inouye wins that anyway. so um, but both of these tournaments are interesting, and uh, I, I think they provide a lot of uh, uh, you know good entertainment value and and I, I, it's crazy to me, but with Burnett that you know he threw out his back throwing a punch. I'm amazed that, like, that doesn't happen more often in boxing with the force that these guys are throwing punches with. You know, uh, it's so rare that you see that injury, but you can completely see how it can happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we've we seen guys, you know, dislocate shoulders uh, in fights. Uh, we've seen, you know, guys, you know, tear muscles also in, 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 you know, throwing punches. But that back injury, I've never seen anything quite like that. Uh, you know, some will say Shane Mosley had issues like that when he fought, uh, Anthony Mundine down in Australia, but I think that was because mostly was partying the night before that's neither here huh. nor there, but um, but very rarely do you see anything like that. So I mean, your heart goes out to him because you never want to see a fighter lose a fight that way, especially in a fight that was still you know he was in control and he was winning, but it wasn't a foregone conclusion that something could happen in the back half of the fight to where Donair could have picked up some rounds and it could have been a lot closer on the cards or Donner could have won all the cards. I mean, you just don't know because we didn't get an opportunity to see that. So I hope for his sake, you know, he gets healthy and he's able to, you know, fight when he's uh, the, the winner of this tournament at some juncture down the line next year. But uh, we just wanted to get well and get healthy first.
1: Um, before we go to our um, bigger fight uh, of Saturday, I do want to um, bring up the fact that there there are two more WBSS cruiserweight fights uh, going on this weekend. And um, and that is uh, Maxim Blasev against uh, Glowacki. And Glowacki is the, is the uh, guy who famously knocked out Mark Hawk uh, a couple years ago and uh, in a great fight and subsequently uh, lost his belt uh, to who did he lose? You know, he lost his belt to He's, that's one fight then you also have uh, um, uh Brightus uh Marius Brightus is going to be fighting uh I think Gabor um uh, so uh, coming Noel, in Noel
2: Chicago- yeah yeah Noel McClank. Go oh, oh god I can you
1: know I'm
2: so bad at those yeah times. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah <laughs> but yeah doubleheader in Chicago here this weekend uh, on Dissolve.
1: yeah a lot of a lot of Eastern European fighters I will tell you this I'm trying to look up uh, the seeds and I don't know who seeded where I think Glowatski is well known because he's he's fought in America before and he has a knockout punch I'm actually going to pick Blasov, Maxim Blasov, to win that fight maybe even by knockout. Uh, so I don't know if that's an, I don't know what the seeds were, but I, I like Vlasov there, and I like Bredis. He's just too tricky. I think he should win. Uh, I mean, I, I may watch those fights because they're on, uh, I can't say they're necessarily moving the needle. Uh, but for those who are interested in this tournament, uh, we might get some, some good fights. Like is always in, uh, entertaining battles. So, uh, you know, that's going on this weekend. Um, do you feel strongly about any of these fights or we can move on?
2: Uh, we can move on because, you know, I'm bad at announcing any of these names. Okay. I, I'm just more, it's one of those things with this tournament, especially with this Cruiserweight Tournament, we're going to now talk about, uh, you know, the of fighting. Yeah. It's just, it just seems like this tournament is so second place. It's like, yeah. it just seems so, I, I get it. And I'm glad these fighters are getting in action, especially a guy like Andrew Tabidi, who I thought should have been a lot more active than what he was. He made weather Promotions, that's your fault. But I'm glad he's getting this exposure. We can see if he's any good or not. But it just really seems this tournament as a whole is just second place, the second fiddle. We all know who's the number yeah. one dog in Cruiserweight division. So it just seems so unnecessary. But I get it. I mean, you got these guys. A lot of these guys are tied to the same promoter. Get them fights. I, I, I get it. I understand.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I guess the thought was both Usyk and Gassiev may be moving up to heavyweight. And so it, you might be able to find whether maybe it could be Brightis, uh, uh or Braidis who gave uh, Usyk a very tough fight. And, you know, maybe he becomes top dog at the end of this competition. And, and you know, you cement his status there. Uh, but I hear you. The 140-pound tournament is good. The 118 tournament is good. This is kind of, you know, we'll watch it. You know, they might see something good. But it doesn't have the same degree of uh, excitement. Uh, so let's go to the big fighter this weekend. Uh it's in England and uh it is uh, uh undisputed cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk uh against Tony Bellu, who uh moved up to heavyweight. Uh you know, way back when Bellew was a kind of uh you know B fighter in the uh light heavyweight division, moves up to cruiserweight, gets some good wins, uh beats Makabu and and cleverly, and then goes up to heavyweight and somehow beats David Hay twice and now drops back down uh, for a shot at the undisputed cruiserweight uh, title against Usyk. He'll be fighting in front of a a home crowd for Bello. Um, You know, the odds would say that Usyk should be a big favorite here. Uh, Usyk has traveled all over. Uh, He's gone to Latvia. He's gone to Russia. He's gone to the United States. He's Certainly very comfortable fighting on the road. Uh, you know, the odds that he should be a big favorite. Is, is conventional wisdom right or wrong here, Brandon?
2: I, I think that the, the wisdom is correct. I mean, what we saw from Yusick, you know, that World Boxing Super Series finale, uh, we saw a master's class. You know, we saw him painting his, his masterpiece from start to finish. It was just, just an outstanding fight against another fellow good top-level fighter and i think Yusick is just he's not even he's not even his peak yet. I think there's so much more of him we're gonna see so many more improvements we're gonna see out of him and It's one of those things when when I watch him it's just watching it's watching a painter paint and it's not one of those no violence could come, but you just sit and enjoy the strokes you in this case you you sit and enjoy watching him work off the jab and just keeping his opponent at bay and frustrating them because he does such a fantastic job of it. You know, Bell, he's a tough guy. I mean, you got to give him all the credit in the world. He made a lot of money off these hate fights. He could just sit back, put his feet up, and say, you know what, I'm done. Let me just continue to do my commentating thing. But the challenge was put in front of him. He accepted it. Uh, And, you know, credit to him. I think he's going to give Yusek some rounds. He's going to give him some work. But I I don't see him doing anything that would, you know, make me think, wow, he's got a chance to really knock him out and win the fight. I I just – I don't see it, and I, I may be wrong, but I just don't see it.
1: Well, Bill does have some tools, though, right? He does have a good left hook. He has a good right hand. Uh, he does have some power. So, um, you know, I don't think he's uh, – I don't think the fight is an embarrassment or anything like that. I don't think oh, – uh, no, no. I, th- I, think, I think it's a legit fight. Uh, I, You know Bill is going to come out with, with all sorts of confidence, and he is a confidence fighter. You know, I think, you know, he's talked about this being perhaps his last fight, but uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to other fighters who already have their one foot out the door, I think he's the type of person that wants to go out, you know, in a blaze of glory. I don't think he's thinking about counting his checks. I think he's doing this fight for the right reasons. He's doing this fight for glory. He's doing this, this fight to be the best at something. And so I give him a lot of credit. Uh, I was uh, not a huge fan of his earlier in his career. And, you know, he said some things uh, to various opponents that I haven't always liked, but I got to say, I've come around to him. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for him not to have taken this fight. He might've thought he was a heavyweight. He, he could have insisted that Usyk fight him at heavyweight. Um, He's dropping down after he's been weighing, you know, far more than 200 in his last couple pounds, 200 pounds, his last couple of fights. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a spirited effort from him, especially in the beginning and, mm-hmm. uh, and Usyk and Usyk, one thing that is interesting and you saw it against Bradis, you saw it against Michael Hunter. Uh, he can be a slow starter. And, uh, yeah. and, and I, and I think Bill, uh, Bill is going to have to, uh, you know, really take the initiative in the first few rounds and, 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 you know, try and get him on that canvas in the first three rounds and and let the chips fall where they may, because I think the more time you give Usyk in the ring, uh, the more he'll carve you up. So I I think Tony Bello has a chance early, and that's his best chance.
2: You know, and and it's interesting you say that, because, you know, with Usyk Usyk being a slow starter, if Tony can get that confidence up, win those, uh, those, you know, first three to four rounds, and You know, land some shots and say, okay, I'm in this, this guy's at that top. That's going to make things interesting as the fight goes on, because if he has in the back of his mind that I can hit this guy and I can hit him, and maybe if I can get him a couple shots, a hard shot in, I can maybe lay him out, I I think that can play to his advantage as the fight goes on. But like you said, it's up if he can get that early start and he can really put the pressure on and and really gain some confidence. I think we could see a much more competitive fight as the fight wears on uh, throughout the 12 rounds.
1: All right, well, let's get to predictions. Uh, how do you see it playing out?
2: Um, I, I think Bellius got too much pride to go out on the canvas. I, I really do. I, I don't think he's going to get knocked out, uh, but I do see Usick winning by unanimous decision. I think he has just just too many. He's just at the top of his game too much for Bellue to do much, of anything, against him. But I'm with you. He's got to do something early, try to knock him out early to have a chance. But as the fight prolongs, I just see see Bellu getting frustrated. And I see Usic working off the jab and just keeping his distance and just painting another masterpiece and winning by UD.
1: Yeah, I, I also have a Bynanis decision. I, I think Bellu might have a couple moments in the fight and the crowd will be crazy. You know, I, I, I see him... Uh, I see Usyk winning like nine three ten two something like that. So a uh, clear winner, a very good performance, and I think he'll be fighting in, in a very tough atmosphere. Uh, I expect him, and you know, I, I expect him to win. Let's say one eighteen, one ten, one seventeen, one eleven. So uh, I think it'll be a good fight, though, especially in the first half of the fight. Yeah, and, I, and like you said, I don't think Tony's going to do himself
2: any discredit. You know, the guy's got balls to take this fight. When a lot of people would say, why fight this guy? Why fight this guy who's somewhat of a monster? Um, You know, but he he got even pretty for wanting to take this fight. I salute him for that. For him doing that, he's already a winner because he's going to give us an entertaining fight on Saturday. So, you know, but I I just don't think he's going to have enough to win. But I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. It'll be competitive uh, to an extent. But uh, yeah, definitely you sit by a unanimous decision here Saturday. On the zone, I- I'm looking like I'm promoting the zone. Just needs to cut me some free pom- promo or something. Um, <laughs> Shouted out a couple times here on the show, so uh, you know, salute to them uh, for that. Now the rest of the card, um, it's it's not really utterly spectacular per se. Um, no, I think there's a uh, Anthony Carolla's on the card, uh, Ricky Burns, Josh Kelly, has some kind of familiar names. In regards to UK boxing, but uh, nothing really jumping out at you. Uh, so this is one definitely you're gonna want to just tune in for the main event. The undercard won't do much for you, but uh, you know as it always goes, there's always one undercard fight that steals the show. So you yeah, never know.
1: Uh, if you... I don't, I don't hate the uh, the Anthony Dot uh, Dodger Dan fight. Uh, uh, Dodger Dan is a as an Indonesian fighter uh, who uh, actually years ago, if you remember that fight against Robert Guerrero dodd Dan was doing really well in about three rounds, and then Guerrero got cut, and he decided to, like, quit. Uh, so the fight went to a no contest. I'm going back many years now. Uh, fuck, that's – sorry, but that's 2009. <laughs> uh, and so Dodd-Udan is still doing his thing. Uh, he's only 31, so I guess he <laughs> seems like he's a lot older than that. Uh, he's been a guy who – uh, has gotten to that A minus B plus level in boxing. He's fought most of the time in the Far East. Occasionally has, um, uh, um, you know, fought fought in America or fought fought in uh, England. And uh, actually, this may be his first fight in in England. But uh, he's not without talent, and he's also won I don't know seven, eight, nine fights in a row. So that'll be a very interesting fight. Uh, Crola is, uh, is a guy who's been, you know, really close to that world level or just about the world level. Uh, he had those two fights with Jorge Linares. Uh, the first one was, was pretty, pretty damn good. And, um, uh, uh, he did, you know, win a smaller title against Ismael Barrasso. Uh, he, he, beat Ricky Burns last year. Uh, so he's coming back. I think that actually could be a, uh, a, a cagey. Fight that could be interesting for people. That will be like uh Corolla comes forward, has that Joe Gallagher, uh, you know, high guard and presses forward and likes to tire guys out. And, and W. Dan's a little more of a boxer. Uh, I don't know how that fight's going to play out. It might be cagey. It might be interesting. But I'll be I'll be watching that. Uh, hopefully, that could be something good.
2: Right on. So I mean, that's. That's really the only big fight card here of the weekend well, there's not the only big fight card of the weekend uh but let us kind of uh let's let's maybe roll into tomorrow night's fight uh that's gonna be on e s p n it's gonna be the last fight card uh gold boys putting on e s p n before their deal with the zone and I guess still streaming on Facebook watch. I don't know what the hell they're doing truth be told um I, just being honest, no clue, but they actually have a very interesting fight. Uh, Is the main event here tomorrow night uh, for those listening to the show live. If you're not listening to the show live, Thursday night, September the 8th on ESPN. Uh, November the uh, 8th. Hazel's... November the 8th. November the 8th. Good Lord. I'm trying to go back in the future here. So November the 8th, Jesus uh, so- uh, Soto Carras, who, honestly, honest to God, I thought he retired. Um, I think but he did. a guy who never <laughs> – so, I mean, a guy who's never really put on a boring fight. You know when you see him in the ring. Um, you know, you're not going to feel cheated. He's going to go out and he's going to try his best. Uh, he's going to be facing, uh, was it Montesillas? Hopefully I'm not that right. Uh, the Roosters, they call him. Uh, a, a guy that Golden Boy kind of high on. He's had him on one of the Golden Boy's uh, Facebook watch cards. Uh, fans love him. The guy puts out a lot of punches. Uh, but this is this is going to be a bloody fight. There's no way I don't think it couldn't be a bloody fight. Um uh, I think it's a good way for Golden Boy to go out on ESPN. I think this should be a friend friendly fight on television. Uh, that really does nothing for either one of them's career per se, uh, but it's entertaining for us at least to watch on TV on a Thursday night.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Macias is a uh, fun kind of action fighter. You know, he might be the sort the Soto Caras, uh the, the mantle coming forward, uh, has a lot of defensive shortcomings, uh, throws a ton of punches. Uh, you know, Soto Carras hasn't won a fight in five years. Now that sounds worse, perhaps, than it is. He had a a very close fight against Mauricio Herrera. Uh, his first fight against a comic guy was I think, a draw. Um, uh,
2: we may have lost Adam there for a second. So Adam will pop back up here in a second, uh, here with us. But uh, like I am saying, Soto Carras had not won a fight in a while. Um, you know, a adorable guy, but we've seen him be in a lot of, lot of wars, a lot of uh, mileage on that body. Um, you know, this is going to be a first fight for him in a, in a while. Like I said, I thought he had retired and actually had taken a step back, but but um, well, we're glad that he's coming back. Uh, and like I said, this should be an entertaining fight here on um, on ESPN here tomorrow night. So again, if you listen to the Show Live Thursday night, uh, November the eighth on ESPN, it'll be Golden Boys last. A fight card on ESPN, and then we'll we'll see where they take it from there in uh, regards to some of these guys and some of these fighters they have. Uh, so otherwise than that, another fight card that I want to get into, and uh, you know, as we wait on Adam to come on, that I am hyped about. It's uh, call it what you want, but maybe it's a setup for a fight that we should have gotten many, 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 many years ago. A fight that Bob Arum and Top Rank marinate that should have marinated. Uh, a fight card that should have went down a lot sooner uh, than later, and we're just now going to finally get it. Uh, that is going to be uh, Juan Manuel Lopez. He's going to be the same fight card as Eureka Gamboa. Um, Gamboa is back. Uh, you know, he's hoping with the win this weekend down in Fight's Miami. Still fight still marinating. The fight. The
1: fight is still marinating.
2: I mean, if these guys both eight years
1: later, nine years later. Sorry about that. Before some connection issue, you know, these things happen. Technology, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I was listening to Bob Arum. He was talking about Spence and Crawford. He's like, we don't do marinating anymore. We want to make the fight, you know. So when when Bob Arum is eighty six, there's no more marinating. When he's seventy eight, he's still (laughs) marinating, you know. You know it. It's you know, and a lot of people kind of like both these guys, right? Gamboa and and uh, and Juanma Lopez. They've they've given us some really good moments. They've been good action fighters. It's really a shame these two never fought in their prime, isn't it? I mean, that would have been that would have been a bloodbath.
2: It is, but you know, I also will say that I think uh, we can blame Orlando Salido for taking Juanma. So I, I I think and even if he if they would have fought at some juncture even around that time. I think, especially after that first Salido fight, I don't think Lopez was ever the same. And, no. I, and I point to to Salido, you know, taking his soul, but I wish Salido would have fought Gamboa at that rate, you know? If I mean, if he knocked him off, why not
1: They did, actually. They did fight before, before Salido was Salido. He did fight Gamboa. And, uh, actually, uh, uh Salido did score a, a late knockdown uh in a, losing a wide decision, but you know, everybody has knocked down Yuriokis Gamboa. I believe you have. I know I have. So like we've all we've all knocked him down. Uh but yeah, they before before Salito became this big action guy that everybody knew about, uh he did fight Gamboa and it wasn't it wasn't a particularly close fight but, but you know, Salito did have that moment of uh, of knocking Gamboa down.
2: So, I mean, if Gamble is is, – do you think he legitimately legitimately thinks in his mind that he can get a fight with Lomachenko with a win this weekend? Like, does does that even remotely make any semblance of sense?
1: Well, you know what it does? If he wins this weekend and let's say he does fight Lopez and wins, I mean – you know, Gamboa has a long relationship with top rank and, you know, would they bring him back on ESPN for an undercard fight? You know, he's a name, right. And that's the sport is built on names. And so you get the guy three or four wins over the next, let's say 15 months. And all of a sudden he get finds himself in a real fight. I don't know if it's Lomachenko. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, whoever some of the guys are, um, uh, you know i don't even know i mean is will gamboa be fighting at 130 or 135 this weekend uh, i i i've heard different things about the weight do you know what that's going to be
2: um i'm trying to look now to see if we can get some sort of confirmation i mean it says super featherweight but um
0: oh, okay. i mean
2: it's gamboa and i mean they've already changed the side of the fight now uh, so now its the second destination It's going to be at a different place <laughs> at a fairground now so who knows uh, i mean it, it's scheduled to be They're super featherweight, but with these kind of things, Lord knows.
1: Yeah, these can be, you know, contracted for 132 or something like that or 133. I mean, who knows? Um, So, yeah, no, stranger things have happened. Uh, You know, Gamboa has been inactive for so many times in his life that, um, you know, maybe maybe he has another run in him. I I don't know. I know Lopez doesn't. uh, No. (laughs) But he he still has a punch. But he, you know, they were fun guys, you know, and, and, you know, Juan Juan Manuel Lopez was like my biggest miss ever in terms of, you know, you see the prospect that you think is going to become like a pound for pound guy. And I remember watching Juan Manuel Manuel Lopez on his way up. He was on some Showtime, either an undercard or a showbox fight. And I'm like, this guy has the entire package. He was about 16 and 0 at the time. And I'm like, he has everything. He has everything. And uh, he just never made it, you know. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, he, he, he it's not like he was a complete bust. He, he won titles and, you know, he made a little bit of money. But he was also a guy who was fighting at 126. And from what I've been told, you know, he was blowing up to 175, 180 between fights. I mean, he just uh, – he was everything Daniel Roman wasn't, right? He got the title yeah. and then he just – he became uh, a celebrity in his own mind, and he liked a good life. And, uh, you know, you you face a uh, you face a guy like Orlando Salido, who's kind of a a, a bullshit detector, right? You know, and, uh, you know, he wasn't ready to survive those two wars.
2: Crazy to think that these guys at this juncture in their career in 2018 are fighting on the same card and were a step closer to finally getting this fight you know, it could be 2020 and this fight will probably end up happening at this juncture because, well, what else are these two guys going to do?
1: Yeah. And, uh, and they're not, I mean, they're, I'm not going to say they're young, but it's not like they're in their 40s. You know, it's just they had no. such short, you know, they had such short peaks. Uh, Lopez was from what we talked about. Gamboa had all sorts of promotional issues. He, you know, was involved in some steroid stuff. He, uh, You know, he was his own worst enemy. I think he had seven different managers and different trainers. And, you know, I think he was his own worst enemy in many ways. And, you know, unfortunately, this is more of the norm. You know, the guys who can take fame or or take more money and, and notoriety and stay on the straight and narrow, I think that's a much smaller group of people. You know, it's a special character who could stay driven and focused you know, as the opportunities, um, multiply in your life, you know, to stay focused and say, no, I want to be the best. I want to be the best. I'm not going out. You know, I know these these pretty girls there. I know I'm not going to have fun at the club, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm going to the gym. You know, I want to stay working out at 5:30 in the morning doing running. I mean, that's, you know, it's, these are, that's a different mentality and not everybody has that. And you have to also understand that a lot of fighters, you know, start poor, you know, and, they get to a point where they make $500,000, a million dollars? That's a lot of money, you know, and and to them, they've won. And I'm not here to mock that. I mean, I get it, you know. Not everybody is going to be the the best fighter in the world. Uh, A lot of people get to that point, you know. They see a million dollars. They said, you know what, I made it. You know, (laughs) they're chilling like like Chino in Argentina and, uh, you know, uh, barbecuing and playing with guns and, and so be it, you know, so be it.
2: Bless his heart. He's living the good life. Now, Now, one thing I, I know, Adam, you did want to touch on in regards to another fight card is the, the, I guess, the murkiness and somewhat announcement of what is the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury undercard. I don't know what to make of this or, or, or what it's all about, but it seems mighty confusing to me, and I don't know if I'm completely comfortable with it.
1: Well, this is what I think is on it. Uh um, you have Jared Hurd coming back, making a title defense against a guy named Jason Wellborn. I believe If that is correct. Or there was an Eagles offensive li- Yeah. There was an Eagles offensive lineman named Wellborn. I'm confusing. I hope I got the name right. It's definitely Wellborn is the last thing uh, I've seen him fight. Uh, he should not win a round or two. Um, this is a fight where Jared Hurd is coming back from a, uh, a shoulder surgery and uh, mm-hmm. this is a, a, a stay-busy fight for him, hopefully to get uh, Jermel, uh, sorry, yeah, Jermel Charlo next year in a unification fight. Um, what else do we have in the card? We have Luis Ortiz uh, against Travis Kaufman. Travis Kaufman Correct. is a local fighter here. Uh, Travis Kaufman is a, is a heavyweight out of Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, his dad is Marshall Kaufman, who runs Kings Promotions, which does a lot of local club fights Uh, in the Philadelphia and surrounding regions. Uh, Kaufman is, uh, you know, game, um, tough, but not really talented. Uh, So uh, I think he's going to, you know, be really active for a few rounds until Ortiz gets one of those cute counters. I think that that fight's probably going to end soon. And then you have uh, Joe Joyce who's a big prospect from England, although he's not a, he's not young. I think he's on the other side of 30 turned pro really late Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's going to be fighting Joe Hanks and, uh, Joe Hanks was once upon a time, uh, a decent heavyweight prospect out of New York and got found out, didn't have a chin. So Joe Joyce is, uh, crude, not crude. I mean, he's polished, but he's, it's, it's kind of odd. Like he's only had like five or six pro fights uh, Richard Schaefer is very high on him has signed him in conjunction with David Hay. And, uh, I just don't see it with him. I know they're going to be pushing no. him. I know they gave him a big advance. Uh, I, I, I don't see it with him. I mean, he's, it's weird because he, you know, some of these guys are amazing amateurs. If you think about how fast, uh lumachenko was pushed you know fighting for a title in the second fighter gavazdick or even josh taylor who still only had 13 fights and is at this level joe joyce you know you'd think with his amateur background and his success he could be pushed faster but when i watch him i'm thinking this guy needs six fights this year this guy needs seven fights like he needs a lot more rounds and him and him fighting every three or four months is not enough right now like he just he needs a lot more development and i just don't know if it's going to come
2: i i agree with you in regards to joyce i've you know seen his fights and i i don't see it i know that uh richard schaefer is hoping that this guy could be you know a a, a lightning in a bottle for him here in the heavyweight division but i don't see the skill set there the guys he's beaten are a bunch of journeymen and uh, cab drivers and trashmen, as we would like to call over there in the UK, it's going to be his first fight here in the States. Here, being a part of the undercard. um, I don't see it, but I, I agree with you in regards to him being fast tracked. Uh, he's 33 and uh, yeah. he just turned 33 here in September. So, I mean, it is my grandmother had a saying, either you should or get off the pot. This is kind of going to be you know, going into 2019, it's going to be shit or get off the pot for you. You know, he's going to be 34. And granted, I know heavyweights, you know, they fight a lot longer. They fight into their 40s, but there's still a lot. There's more talent in the heavyweight division than there's been in years past uh, to where some of these guys who are younger than him or guys of the same age who are more skilled than him will knock his block off.
1: Yeah, but, you know, we'll, we'll find it out. Uh, you know, it's a very um, pedestrian undercard, and uh, luckily I love the main event, so I don't really care you know I I'm sold on buying it you know I love Fury Wilder I will watch the shit out of it and frankly there could be no undercard and I'd still pay $60 and I'd be happy <laughs> and uh now I'm weird granted we know this but um I love that fight I love that fight so much I got I got yeah. I read something really interesting about that fight uh JJDS who is uh, uh one of uh Wilder's uh co-trainers and uh, you know Wilder has eight managers, so let's say Jay Diaz is one of wilder's eight managers um was gave a they had a public workout this week, and you know I read these things every now and then because uh, you know the transcripts because you'll hear something kind of truthful most of the time it's bullshit right they they say all the all the boilerplate that you'd expect to hear are uh, the best turning camp of our life, and we're prepared for anything and I was struck by, by Diaz. What he kept saying is how um, tricky Tyson Fury is and how his style is unlike anything they've seen before. And they said he could fight dirty or clean. He could fight lefty or righty. You know, he has size and reach that. You, feel problem. Like you usually don't see the opposing trainer, you know, give that much credit to a, 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 an opponent unless the guy's a scrub and he's trying to talk him up. I didn't get that sense at all there was a lot of respect there in the comments that I saw. And, you know, I, I just thought that was interesting because, um, it was, I think a lot of honesty. I, I don't think it's a sign that they're not confident at all, but I, I think it's an acknowledgement of, you know, it's really tough to get guys to mimic Tyson Fury and sparring. Like who the hell do you get? that fights like Tyson Fury and sparring. You can't find anybody who does it. So no, it's been no. a challenge. And I, I I thought it was just really interesting to read that because listen we all know Wilder has to be racer but we also saw Fury you know keep Vladimir Klitschko at bay for twelve rounds like it was nothing so it's a very fascinating fight and uh, I was just I thought those were some really interesting comments from his trainer there
2: yeah absolutely I mean they're 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 not lying and I mean you have to respect the honesty of that because. Uh, this is, it's really a pick em fight, I think. I mean, you have to, I give Walter the edge just because I think he's fought the more game opponents here recently, especially, you know, with Tyson Fury's comeback uh, here this year. So I, I give Walter, the, Walter uh, the edge slightly there, but uh, this is a f- pick em fight. I mean, this is going to be a highly entertaining fight, and I think uh, you can make a legitimate argument the winner of this fight is the number one heavyweight there is in the world. I know Joshua has the belts, but. Uh, I I think that these two are really going to test each other. We're going to see a lot about uh, the other, you know, each fighter's makeup, you know, after this fight is over here come December. I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm also looking forward to the return of Chris Ariello on the card. I just wanted to point that out.
1: I'm sure you are. We all are. Yes, yes, we are. (laughs) We're all waiting with bated breath. Um, Let's talk about this because this has been, you know, boxing Twitter and social media can be a lot of fun. And there's nothing more fun then Floyd Mayweather announcing a fight against a 122 pound kickboxer, and then three days later canceling it. So let's talk about this. What what the hell? What just happened? What the hell just went on the last three days?
2: Well, okay. So you know, I'll put my MMA hat on here. You know, from just kind of yes. doing some MMA research and knowing some things. So this is where my expertise comes slightly into play. Now, Risen is a MMA organization over in Japan. Now, for anyone who's familiar with Japan MMA, uh, they're pretty much Pride 2.0. Pride was the biggest uh, MMA promotion over there in Japan for many years before they got bought out by the UFC. Well, Risen is owned by some of the same people who helped start Pride. So let me just kind of start there. Now, the rumor was that, you know, an American dollars was going to be broke down, so Floyd Mayweather was going to make $100 million. He was looking to get that. Now, about 70% of it was going to come from uh, Risen itself. The promotion was going to somehow come up with $70 million, which, uh, if you've read any stories about that promotion here recently, they have a lot of funding issues. So, how that was going to happen, I, I had no idea. And the other percentage was going to come from TV and distribution deals here in America and over in Japan uh, for the fight being on pay per view. So, you know, that's where the money was coming in to where Floyd was enticed. The problem is. Um, <laughs> Floyd claims there was no contract signed. Well, the rumor is that once the contract was signed, the rules for the fight were set up, uh, there was going to be what they call mixed rules. Now, over in Japan on New Year's Eve, they have – it's huge having fights there. They have sometimes eight- and uh, 12-hour fights over there, just tons of fights, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing. And on these events, they have what they call these mixed rules fights to where one round may just be boxing only. The second round could be boxing and kickboxing. Uh, the cool. third round could just be grappling. So I mean, that's what this was actually going to be. And then when Floyd figured that out, he said, "No, nah, I'm not doing." It. So that's subsequently yeah. what happened. Uh, you know, you So you, you think it was study. actually?
1: You think? You, you think it was actually real? Like you actually think it was real for a little bit?
2: Oh yes. Oh, it was very real. That they sent out a press release. Like they sent out press releases. They had all the stuff done. I, I got this stuff. Um, well, I guess early Monday morning from them. And then the, the, the odd part was I got an email from them apologizing about sending it out, which when I got that, I, <laughs> I really scratched my head. I was like, all right, well, something's not right about this. And then they making the an announcement here today. So, yeah, they sent an email out saying a apology letter. This is from them. I truly apologize for accidentally c- seeing you as an email along with other contacts uh, for the previous written 14 release for any inconvenience that occurred. We truly apologize for this cause. Uh, we will make sure it never happens again. So,
1: <laughs> there's wow, PR at least people get them, uh, when
2: something was up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, it, it, I don't really want to believe it more. It just was. It just was. Uh, you know, one of the weirder things that have happened in the last uh, little bit. And uh, you know, if Floyd Mayweather comes back, he comes back. If he doesn't. You know, so be it. I think I think we could all survive either way. Uh, but I just I just thought that the the randomness and then how fast it was canceled was certainly uh, something unique. It,
2: it, it's strange. I mean, it, it, we're not surprised that he's talking about fighting again. I think neither one of us are. Um, you know, you know, Manny Pacquiao said that you know that's the fight he's looking forward to. Steven Espinosa, even in an interview, said that you know that's uh it's, it's a pretty good chance it'll happen at some juncture next year. Uh, you'll hear some people say that flu's running out of money, the money's getting low, hence the reason he's trying to talk about fighting again. So, I mean, it's just a matter of time. It's just what opponent is he going to pick uh, that's going to make him the maximum amount of money he can make uh, with the least amount of risk involved. So I'm not shocked. Um, it's just a shame that, you know, he's not truly willing to challenge himself against one the young Lions at 147 or 154. But, again, he's a businessman at the end of the day, so, again, I'm not shocked.
1: Uh, speaking of one of the young lines, 147, Earl uh, Spence and Mikey Garcia are closer to a date. Uh, it's been announced that they have a site deal uh, for uh, AT&T Stadium, formerly Cowboy Stadium, Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. Um, we don't have signed contracts yet from the fighters. Uh, but it looks like, from all indications, uh, that that fight will be happening. Um, I can't say I'm particularly excited about the fight. Uh, I don't think there's demand for it, and uh, I'd rather see both fighters in with different guys. I mean, I won't say that. I, I mean, I will. I will still watch it. Um, it's two notable fighters, but uh, you know, it doesn't really move the needle for me, does it? Do you? No. No, it doesn't. And it really
2: feels like it's a catch-22 for for Spence. I mean, Spence wins. People are going to say, yeah, but you beat up a smaller guy. Uh, Spence were to lose um, or it's a really close competitive fight. People are going to say, well, Spence was never as good as we thought he was. So, I mean, he's going to be damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Uh, So, I mean, from that aspect, I kind of feel for him there. But he's signing this contract. He's getting a a nice paycheck. It's going to obviously be probably the highest payday of his career. Uh, it'll be an interesting spectacle there in Jerry World. there down in uh, Arlington. I mean, as I tweeted out earlier, the fans there of the Cowboys will finally have something to cheer for in that stadium come next year. They have it in this Indeed. season uh, there. So, I mean, they, they need something there. And, I mean, we've seen that though that stadium can fill up with five fans. I mean, Pacquiao did it twice against Claudi and against Margarito. So, I, I think these two guys, if the tickets are priced right, and they do the right thing promotion-wise, I think they can do really good numbers there, and I will be think it'll be good for the sport of boxing for that aspect, but the fight itself doesn't do much for me, and really, like I said, for Spence, it's a catch-22 for him, so it, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing I really like about it is I think putting in Dallas is great for Spence just because they're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, build momentum with his home fans and build a real following, and, you know, all he has to do is not lose that fight, and I think... You know he can build from that and continue, you know, to to make his way from a great fighter to a a real star. So uh, I think it's good. I I just you know, Mikey Garcia's his whole comeback to use one of Brandon Stubbs' favorite words uh, has been weird. You know, it's just been mm-hmm. weird. You know, he's just going up and down, picking various divisions, various fighters, not necessarily the best fighters in these divisions, but. He, he, you know, uh, if there's some master plan at work, I haven't seen it. It's just, you know, uh, I don't know. He's been 140, 135. He's going to 147. Uh, He's fighting a guy at 147 who's many, many times better than anybody he's ever fought at 135 or 140 or 130 or 126. So, yeah, it's just, it's just, Brandon, it's weird. It, it is, and I
2: mean, you, you really have to look at it from this aspect. You know, Mikey Garcia loses, then it's the question that I have to ask is what's next? I mean, it, it, I, I know you can only look at it a fight at a time, but whoever's helped running his career, or if there is anyone, it obviously doesn't look to be, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture. Okay, after this fight, what's next? What's going to be our next game plan? If he were to lose, what is going to be plan B? What weight class are you going to fall in? Or are you going to take this payday and be done? Or are you going to take another, you know, two-year hiatus and, not right, yeah. I mean, it 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 really is just, it is weird. It, you don't know what to make of this fight besides it, it's going to be a spectacle. Now, I'll be interested to see what kind of undercard they put together there uh, for that. I mean, it would have made sense to maybe have yeah. a Charlo brother on there, but now they're going to be fighting in New York instead of Texas, which would have made sense for them as well. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, they do some weird things, and PBC We're seeing some weird things out of them coming forward for 20, uh, nineteen and it's kind of making me scratch my head a little bit in regards to what they're doing with some of these cards they're putting together, but um
1: you know I think it's gonna work out the best. You know, people say it's a it's a no lose fight for Mikey Garcia, and I disagree with that a hundred percent because the example I'm gonna use is Kelbrook You know, Kelbrook Brook had a lot of momentum and beat Sean Porter, uh one forty seven pound title in a really good division, and uh, a fight falls through and he decides he wants to fight Golovkin and uh you know he he breaks his he gets his eye socket broken and and then you know not even that like you know he, he his tra- his corner stops the fight his next fight his next big fight back uh against spence uh he gets the other eye sock socket broken, uh but he also like yields you know he takes a knee, he doesn't want to go on, you know he's been through mm-hmm. the the meat grinder, and so uh and and Brooke was doing well, I was at that fight, right but at a certain point he was unwilling. He had seen the darkness. He had seen what boxing can do and didn't want any more. And for those saying that this is a no lose fight for Mikey Garcia. Oh, well he can lose a lot. You know, you can get the crap beat out of you. You can have serious injuries. You can lose your confidence. Uh, You can uh, you know, there's a lot of risk for his earning potential uh, throughout the rest of his career. Now, maybe he doesn't want to fight forever, but um, let's say he loses badly, you know? Let's say he calls it a day. Mikey Garcia will be one of these guys, like Broner, I know that's going to be rough to say, who won a lot of belts without beating anybody really good. And, yeah. you know, what what is that career? Now, maybe we say this as a media, like because we're on the outside and we care about these things, Mikey may not. He said like, I don't care. I'm in it to make money and get out of sport. Well, so be it, you know, but, um, I think there is a lot of risk for Mikey Garcia here. And Earl Spence is a really smart fighter who can hit really hard. And, uh, I I know I've been told, I've been told, you know, by people that saying a lot of Garcia's own people didn't want him to take his fight. This fight, this is all Mikey. And so, you know, sometimes people are stubborn and they believe in themselves, and it turns out great, but uh, I think there are more examples where uh, it goes the other way. Yeah.
2: I mean, this isn't Mikey's first time wanting to jump up this high in weight. If you can remember, uh, this time last year, he was a candidate to fight Miguel Cotto in Cotto's last fight. He had that opportunity. And he really wanted to jump at it, and people like, no, don't go that high up. I, I mean, that might have been an easier fight to go up and do uh, against an aging Cotto. It's a crazy coming – Sounding coming that come that sound coming from my mouth, but nevertheless, it might have been an easier jump up than jumping right into the grease, right into the fire against a guy yeah. Spence, who's been shown to this juncture to be a killer at 147. So, I, I you know, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it could end really bad. I'm not, I gotta say this is a disclaimer, we're not hoping that, we're not wishing that, but we just want to put right. that out there that it, it can end
1: bad, so don't be shocked if it does. Yeah. Um, well, I think we hit. I think we hit most of the main things I, I, I know we want to talk about. Or anything else you wanted to bring up tonight? Nah, man. I mean,
2: everything. Everybody's acting okay. We haven't had anybody get in trouble here recently. A uh, shout out to Adrian Brauner who's stealing bottles of hot sauce from Chipotle and putting it on Instagram. Is that right? So, <laughs> like, really? Like, but you know, he's times are tough, of trouble, man. Times so are tough. I, so I'm glad to see that he's eating healthy, getting ready for this Manny Pacquiao showdown uh, here next year. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just with yeah. him, you just you shake your head. But I, I'm glad he's staying out of trouble and not doing anything crazy there. Uh, shout-out to our former guest at Team of FOMO. Lopez will be uh, fighting here uh, next month. His hand is he- uh, healed. He's been cleared. Uh, so he's going to be a part of that Lomacheco card. So shout-out to him for that. Um...
1: Yeah, and he has yeah, a good fight really too good. with uh, Mason with, with Mason Menard. It's a Menard can punch, and uh, it should be a good fight. Um, yeah, I just want to do a quick plug if I can. Uh, I just put up a new for those who are really into pound for pound lists. Uh, I just put up a new one, which you could find on com and uh, you can find that there. And as always, you can find me on. S N Boxing uh, on Twitter and and S my Facebook group S N Boxing and uh, as always uh, thank you for having me and it was uh, it was great to talk to Danny Roman tonight a uh, very impressive uh, guy and uh, you know I hope good things happen for him in 2019.
2: Absolutely man very humble guy I like him so shout out to shout out to uh, Daniel for coming on to doing the show uh, next week we'll have another Thompson boxer. Uh, who are, A lot of people are high on, and you'll, he's going to get kind of pushing that same way that, the, that Ramon is doing right now. That's Michael Dutchover. Uh, he'll fight here next weekend on uh, Thompson Boxing's website. So he's going to talk to us here during fight week. So it's always interesting to talk, talking to fighters during fight week. Um, you just never know what side of a fighter you're going to get during fight week. Some are very mellow. Some are very cool. Uh, Some are very um, tired (laughs) and just have no energy and no interest. You have others who sound like they're ready to punch your face through the phone. Uh, So um, we'll see what next week brings as far as uh, having the uh, young up-and-coming prospect, Michael Dutcher, on on the show. So uh, I listen forward to that. And if uh, you've missed any of the shows, you can listen to all of them uh, on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio, all by searching Punch to the Face Radio. It's always number two not the word to. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at BrandonP2TF. You can also listen to all the shows at PunchTheFace.com. I'm going to have some sort of content on there here soon about other stuff besides the podcast. I just don't know what. Um, I will say this. I am kind of compiling information now to get ready for the year end, uh, what we're going to be naming awards and all that fancy stuff. But one thing, Adam, I want to throw out to you before we go, uh, if Usyk wins this weekend, is it just is it just all but certain that he is the fighter of the year?
1: I mean, I I think so. I mean, perhaps Wilder, if he does a number on Fury, might have an outside shot. If you beat Ortiz and Fury, in the year that's a pretty damn good year. Uh, mm. But I I uh, but I I I think with uh, uh, well, Bratis was last year. No, I think Bratis was this year, and then Gassiev, and then. And then Bello, I mean that's that's pretty damn good. That's probably three of the top five people in that division. Um, uh, you know, he let's put it this way: uh, you have to see how the fight plays out, of course. You know, and people always ask me that if this guy wins, is a fight of the year? You know, uh, I remember, um, I guess leading up to the Kovalev fight, they're like, well, if, if you know, a Kovalev war, if Kovalev beats Ward, is he fight of the year? Blah blah blah. I'm like, you gotta see how the fight plays out, you know, and. You know, who knows? You know, there there are decisions that are made that are weird. There are decisions that are given that are uh, uh, unjust in this sport. Uh, sometimes fighters look like ass. Uh, so you <laughs> never know. Um, uh, I think Usyk would be the leader in the clubhouse, to use a golf term, but you never know what happens. Uh, I got to tell you something, too. You, you, I mean – Usyk almost lost that fight to, to Brady's, you know, and, and I don't think he looked great in that fight. I mean, I thought he looked much better against Gassiev and Gassiev was, was probably Usyk at his absolute best, but you know, we saw him lose rounds again, against Brady's, And, and, uh, uh, I saw him, I saw him lose a bunch of rounds against Michael Hunter earlier in that fight. I, I was there live. Um, so yeah, he's had a really good year and, uh, but that's why, they, that's why they fight the fights, right? I mean, nobody thought – I mean, I'm sure Rachel Donera thought so, and some of Donera's <laughs> guys thought he was beating Ryan Barnett. But, like, me. nobody thought he was winning, right? But, like, nobody thought he was winning, and he won. And, yeah. like, weird shit happens, you know? Like, who? that's why we watch, right? It, it, it's the, the, the theater of the unexpected. Uh, I think that was the old Larry Merchant line. So, I think he's the leader if he wins, but let's let's see how it plays out. And,
2: see, that's going to be a teaser for our listeners because at that juncture here, you know, end of end of the year, top of next year, some juncture, we will name our respective fighters of the year. But I, I think it's interesting argument that I want to kind of put out there here in the listeners' uh, minds uh, as we enter in this weekend's fight. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All
1: right. All right. Well, well, good well, stuff, sir. Appreciate always, it man, very much.
2: Yeah. Yep. As always, Adam and I appreciate you joining the show. Um, As always, we'll talk to you here next month again uh, to talk boxing. And as always, I'll be back here next Wednesday uh, talking more boxing here with you, the people. So uh, with that being stated, I want everyone to stay safe, stay blessed, love one another. That's the only way we're going to get through this. Until next weekend, I'm Brandon Stubbs, and I am out.